around a quarter you know, of medical school curricula, you know, only requires, for example, nutrition or any type of lifestyle curriculum. Um, it is getting better. And so that produces a lot of graduates that don't have enough education, thereby they don't have enough confidence in speaking about that education. And then we are molded to just prescribe and we are molded to just cut open people. And so you know, when you have a predominant system where you only prescribe and cut open people, then what do you get? You have a nation where people are just consistently sick and our healthcare costs are high and, you know, people aren't getting better. And so I think that's part of the problem to why, you know, we're such a sick nation. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Follow Your Kind. I know it's been a while, um, so it's really, really good to be here again. I'm very excited to share this conversation with you. This one really spoke to me. Dr. Colin Zhu is um, a new friend, relatively new friend, I guess, in COVID years. It doesn't really matter anymore, but I've, I've known Colin. I, I'm new, uh, I've known off Colin for a few years now. We met at the ACLM conference like all the amazing people or a lot of other amazing people that I met. But Dr. Collins is a primary care physician. Uh, he's also board certified in family practice and lifestyle medicine. He's passionate about intersection of medicine, food, and nutrition. And you will hear much more about it during our conversation. Dr. Zhu is trained as a chef and health coach uh, and the, Net uh, the Natural Gourmet Institute of Health and Culinary Arts and the Institute for Integrative Nutrition following the completion of his medical degree. So just a unique and really, really cool combination of experiences and expertise. So to share his unique blend of medical knowledge with wider audience, Dr. Zhu also launched the ChefDoc website. You should check it out. The ChefDoc uh, website is, uh, is a really uh, good uh, source for all different kinds of educational uh, tidbits. Um, it's an educational platform which has been featured in several publications. And Dr. Collins is also the author of The Thrive Medicine, How to Cultivate Your Desires and Elevate Your Life. It's a really, really good and easy but very profound read. He's also a podcast host himself. Check out Thrive Bites on all podcast platforms of your choice. Um, in this podcast, he interviews the latest health and wellness experts about incorporating plant-powered lifestyle, enhancing emotional wellness, and creating a thriving mindset. I um, really, really relate to Dr. Zeus, to Colin's um, message of thriving here. Um, I think I'm in a place here today where I've been reflecting for some time about my goals and directions in this life. And I think something that I'm realizing more and more is I don't want to just uh, make it through the day. I don't want to just make it through the week until, you know, the next holiday or the next day off. I want to do meaningful work every day and I want to do it with joy and I want to, um, show up as my best self and do it with integrity. I want to be in love with my life, with my work, with the people around me. So the world, the word thrive really resonates um, with my soul, with where I am today. And it's something that I want for myself. And I, that's something that I want for you guys. And um, I think as, as I was reflecting on my mission, my mission really is to, to thrive and then to inspire and empower other people to do the same so very very excited about this conversation uh, with Colin we talk a lot about what thriving means and what thrive medicine is and what are the different pillars or aspects and how how do you learn to take care of yourself so that you can show up 
um, as, as a really, really good human for others as well. Um, we talk about what the doctor of osteopathic medicine means. Um, I don't think I understood truly um, the, the background of what it, what it meant and what the difference between the MD and DOO uh, were. So it was just really cool to find out. And of course, we also cover the three kind of areas of, of medicine that overlap uh, for Colin, and those are uh, the uh, lifestyle medicine, the Chinese medicine, but also the Thrive medicine, as he calls it. So I'm very, very excited about this conversation. Um, I hope you find it meaningful. And another uh, plug that I wanted to put in here is Colin is organizing this really, really cool event. It's called the Thrive Formula. It's spelled T-H-R-5, Formula Virtual Summit. And it's a it's a thriving masterclass series that combines uh, different pillars. So it's five pillars as a foundation to thrive in our lives. And so those are food as medicine, functional fitness, relationships, community, and resilience. So all of the things that we truly need to be healthy as, as a whole human, as a whole person. It acts uh, like a summit, but also as a workshop series. Um, there will be sessions to learn from, digital workbooks, quizzes. There's a private Facebook community and lots of virtual goodies um, exclusive to this summit. Uh, if you're a healthcare professional or a student or, or just an individual that is looking for additional resources to optimize your overall wellness for 2021 and beyond, that is for you. I looked at the lineup. They had like 52 experts who are absolutely amazing um, that bring in you over 50 hours of inspirational, educational, practical tools for you and your family. And Colin was kind enough to provide listeners of this podcast 25% off discount code. Uh, for the, the cost of this event. Uh, so I encourage you to check it out. I include the link in the show notes. So just, just look through, um, investigate for yourself if that's something that you can benefit from. But I really think this is a, an amazing opportunity. Just so you know, the link expires on May 31st. So don't delay too much. Um, it, I hope uh, this, this is going to be valuable for you. And again, Thank you for tuning in. I really hope that you like this conversation and find something of value and take something away from this conversation for yourself. I also really hope that you are taking really, really good care of yourself and remembering that you cannot pour from the empty cup. So please take care of you, put on your own mask first and then go out into the world and shine your best and brightest light to others. another episode of follow your kind podcast um i'm your host christina and today we have my good friend dr colin Zhu. hi colin hi <laughs> welcome Happy to, to be the here show. yes thank you so much um, i'm really excited to talk to you today you have such a wealth of uh you're such a wealth of information has such a diverse background from lifestyle medicine to culinary medicine to I know you have a lot of experience with uh, Chinese medicine and some background in acupuncture through your parents and then thrive medicine emotional wellness all the things that would so much need during this time in COVID so thank you so much for joining today thank you an honor to be here thanks um I wanted to start with uh, Asking you to describe, especially for listeners who are not as familiar with healthcare system in general, what is the difference between the DO and MD? I know that you are the DO, so um, some, mm -hmm. some may ask, well, what is the difference? Are you still a doctor? <laughs> yes, definitely. Uh, thanks again. And uh, 
So the distinction between a DO and an MD is both of them are considered licensed physicians. Um, DO stands for Doctor of Osteopathy or Doctor of Osteopathic Medicine. And um, it was started by a physician called, uh, his name was Andrew Taylor Still. And basically in the late 1890s, um, he founded uh, osteopathy and uh, he was an MD himself. And basically the principles of osteopathic medicine is very, a very holistic approach. Um, he believed that the body is one unit um, and that you know, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual health where um, they were all combined and all interconnected. And so, you know, when I was, you know, looking at different types of medicine, you know, I came from an upbringing of my mother, who is a traditional Chinese me uh, medical doctor. She practices acupuncture, herbalism, things like that. You know, I didn't come from a long line of Western trained, you know, uh, uh, physicians. And so, I stumbled upon osteopathic medicine, uh, you know, accidentally actually. Um, the junior year of my undergraduate, you know, education. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, this is awesome. You know, it's a very holistic approach and it just made the most sense to me, you know, given my upbringing. And so for me, I applied to only that. And so osteopathic medicine really dives deep into looking at the person from that holistic point of view. So for example, um, if someone comes uh, to you with knee pain, you know, they, you know, uh, an osteopathic physician would look not just at the knee, but they would look at your ankle, your foot, your leg, your hip, your back, you know, everything. Um, and then they also look at, you know, the deeper layers as well, because everything is interconnected. So I really appreciate it um, about that. And, you know, I just applied to those schools when I applied and uh, yeah, it's been a great, I received a really good education. So um, but for those of you that are looking, whether you're medical students, um, you know, you, we are licensed in all 50 states and we can prescribe medicine and also surgery as well. So this is great. This is a really good explanation. I'm, I'm glad I asked. I don't think I've ever gotten that comprehensive of an answer. I love the idea of the holistic approach. And to me, it seems like, well, isn't that how all the medicine should be practiced? <laughs> Yeah, I, you, would, you would think, right? And um, not to undermine or take away from my, you know, MD, you know, allopathic, you know, counterparts. I have a lot of MD friends and colleagues that do very, very well, um, you know, um, but it's, um, it's about your training, right? It's about perspective. Um, for me, that's the most important thing. Um, in addition to how you approach medicine. And so for me, you know, my upbringing with my mother was she taught me how to look at not just, you know, symptoms and signs, but she taught me in terms of looking behind, you know, the skin and the superficial and really understanding the person. Um, you know, the biggest things I took away from my mother was compassion and empathy um, and looking at things on a deeper level and learning how to listen. And so, you know, I took that you know, into my own quote unquote expression and style of practicing medicine, um, because I feel like we concentrate more on numbers and data and science and evidence, which is important, but there's a certain art form. That's why there's art and science of medicine, right? There's a certain art form and creative expression you practice, you know, and even though we don't, you know, think of it that way, I like to think of it that way. So, you know, I wanted to make sure to have my own style per se, you know, into practicing medicine. That's a beautiful perspective. What was, what was your undergrad in? Psychology. Psychology. And uh, yeah. uh, 
having the background with uh, uh, your mom with Chinese medicine and acupuncture and then learning about DO, doctor of osteopathy, is that what inspired you to go into that direction or were there any other triggers that led you to, to the decision? Uh, yeah, so initially I actually wanted to go into chiropractic, uh, uh, medicine, um, you know, chiropractic care first, um, because we had a really good family chiropractor and I just love, you know, his personality. Um, but I knew that I wanted to do more medicine and, you know, just undertaking the comprehensiveness of, you know, counseling and being able to prescribe and, you know, possibly do surgery. You know, I didn't know at that time. Um, but I fell in love with having that relationship and rapport with uh, patients and talking to them and conversing with them. And so, you know, I went into medicine, you know, with, you know, with the, with wanting to combine East and West initially, and then somewhere in medical training, um, I, you know, learned that, or not learn, depending on how you look at it, that there wasn't enough nutrition and lifestyle curricula and most of the stuff that we see, um, as patients and their conditions was very lifestyle related. And so, you know, I shifted gears, you know, I went into a different direction and, um, you know, I went into culinary school after medical school in between, you know, because I uh, graduated off cycle and uh, before I matriculated in, into my training and, you know, that'll probably confuse your audience members, but um, <laughs> it's very, it's very strategic. I didn't do it as a hobby. I didn't do it to be on food network. It was more, I wanted to enhance my uh, skill set as a primary care physician um, and to be able to, you know, teach and uh, educate and, you know, things like that. So it was very, it was very uh, strategic in terms of what I wanted to do because I wanted to learn more about food and nutrition and preventative care. And why is that? When it is that during your um, education, medical education, that you realize that nutrition is such an important component? Well, for people that don't know, for in medical school, um, most of the most of the things that we learn actually is concentrated more on pathology, uh, which is understanding the science of disease and how you know how it happens, and learning about pharmacology, which is you know understanding how drugs are made and how drugs you know interact in our bodies. But what I found least was not not so much education about wellness, not so much about preventative care, not so much about, you know, learning how to keep the body healthy, you know, which I thought was very odd given from my background and upbringing with my mother, because all she, you know, preached was, was preventative care. And, you know, every interaction uh, patient she had was learning to prevent things, you know, instead of things, you know, having already have, you know, arrived in your body. Mm -hmm. And so taking that approach, I was, you know, I asked a lot of questions. I, you know, asked how come this was this and that was that. And so that led me to pursue other things, you know, uh, once I, you know, uh, graduated from medical school. And if you look at the literature, you know, across the board in medical schools, you know, uh, around a quarter you know, of medical school curricula, you know, only requires, for example, nutrition or any type of lifestyle curriculum. Um, it is getting better. And so that produces a lot of graduates that don't have enough education, thereby they don't have enough confidence in speaking about that education. And then we are molded to just prescribe and we are molded to just cut open people. And so 
you know, when you have a predominant system where you only prescribe and cut open people, then what do you get? You have a nation where people are just consistently sick and our healthcare costs are high and, you know, people aren't getting better. And so I think that's part of the problem to why, you know, we're such a sick nation. Mm -hmm. That makes so much sense. Our uh, friend in common, Dr. John Bonnet, uh, taught me that uh, systems are perfectly designed to produce the products that they produce. And so to me, it speaks exactly that, that our system, healthcare system is set up in a way and we bring up our doctors in a way that incentivize them or nudge them or it just happens so that it's, it's, it, it, they, they prescribe rather than work on prevention because they simply don't know a lot of that. And I know that you were uh, in uh, one of the first waves of the doctors who ever got uh, their lifestyle medicine board certification, which is really cool. So I know you are very well versed in, in the topic of lifestyle medicine. Um, and it, it's not news to you, but uh, for the audience, can you talk a little bit about what is lifestyle medicine for somebody who've never heard about it? Yeah, 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 it's definitely. Um, so um, in my journey, um, after I got out of medical school, you know, I went into family practice, you know, because I really enjoyed the interaction and, you know, love the broad range of, you know, taking care of babies when they were born to, you know, um, taking care of patients in their advancing years. Um, lifestyle medicine came to me at a time where, you know, having the background that I had, um, you know, with, uh, traditional Chinese medicine, you know, from my mom, you know, I wanted to see what else was out there, you know, so I shadowed and mentored a lot of other different types of physicians besides Western trained uh, physicians. So integrative medicine doctors, functional medicine doctors, naturopathic doctors, um, you know, all kinds they are very good at what they do and they, you know, work to a certain extent, but what resonated with me the most was lifestyle medicine, you know? So when I came upon uh, lifestyle medicine in 2013, um, you know, it just made the most sense. It resonated with me and it really just kind of speaks to the basics of just being human and the basics of human health. So for those of you who don't know what lifestyle medicine is, it focuses on six pillars. Um, it focuses on what we put in our bodies, how we move, uh, sleep, uh, stress, community, um, and uh, avoiding you know, risky behaviors, um, weight management, things like that. And they're very basic, you know, but they focus on the most up-to-date evidence-based approaches to prevent, treat, and reverse chronic lifestyle-related diseases using those approaches, you know, in a nutshell. Um, so to me, it resonated with me because I, you know, I'm thankfully healthy and I leave, I live a very active, um, you know, lifestyle. So for me, it just made the most sense. Plus it really puts the physician who practices lifestyle medicine in more of a role model role, you know, a more, a more of a role model position where, you know, at the end of the day, as a primary care physician, you are a role model, you are a community leader, and you know, you have to lead by example. So for example, you can't really go to someone, you're not going to go to a personal trainer who is overweight or obese, you know, you're not going to go to, you know, like, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. you got to be able to lead by example. And I feel like it places ownership, you know, for someone that practices lifestyle medicine and, 
you know, when you look at, you know, things across the board, even though we have, we're in the digital era and even though we're in uh, social media, patients still trust, you know, physicians at the end of the day, um, you know, and yes, we do go to Dr. Google because it's like, you know, the quickest, you know, thing, but we still predominantly patients still trust their physicians at the end of the day. So what better way than to lead by example, if we have the best science and evidence for this? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we both just participated in the American College of Lifestyle Medicine conference this year. It was virtual um, health restored ACLM 2020. And we met last year at the actual conference in, in Orlando, Florida, which was beautiful. But one of my, my favorite, one of my personal favorite things about lifestyle medicine um, overall is that you see there's so much um, burnout within the healthcare professionals, and especially during COVID. I mean, a lot of us are so overworked. Um, a lot of us put our patients, our teams ahead of us as a priority. Uh, but lifestyle medicine, what lifestyle medicine does, what it does not only give us the tools to help our patients, but it also gives us the tools to take better care of ourselves. So it's just, it's just such a beautiful environment and the network to be a part of and such a beautiful philosophy and, and a science to practice. Yeah, yeah, definitely. If anything, the pandemic is just another reminder to to practice preserving your health, you know? And I think that a lot of people since the pandemic focus a lot on gut health and they focus on immunity and things like that. But I, I, I think that, you know, those are just different ways of still optimizing your health. You know, why don't we preserve, you know, ourselves and prevent things than, you know, putting in money and time and energy when things break down? You know what I'm saying? I mean, one of the best analogies I use is I think it's more costly, you know, to take your car to the shop once it breaks down, as opposed to, you know, making sure you maintain it. And by doing the oil checks and, you know, making sure it has good fuel and, you know, checking the engine every now and then, you know, as opposed to waiting until your car breaks down. And that's essentially what our body is. Our body is just, you know, one car, you know, we don't have, unfortunately, we don't have the luxury of trading it in and selling it for another one. We only have one car. So if you imagine if you only have one car for your entire lifetime, I'm pretty sure, you know, you would want to maintain that as much as possible because you know, that car will eventually break down. You know, you know, that car will eventually rust. So why not prevent it? Right. We're going to treat our bodies as if those who are the only ones we've got. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Because it is, it is. So. Exactly. Okay. Well, next one up, what about culinary medicine? Is that a thing? Is that a, a recognized um, term that people are becoming more familiar in that you can practice in and how, how do doctors incorporate more of culinary medicine in today's work? So culinary medicine, um, I believe it was coined by, if I'm not mistaken, Dr. John LaPuma. Um, he was one of the earlier physicians, um, you know, to kind of, you know, start. Um, and basically culinary medicine is blending the culinary arts of food uh, with the science of nutrition and, you know, blending them together. And so um, it is a you know, in a way, you know, a newer quote unquote, you know, phrase, um, but basically it's using food as medicine, 
meaning using food as a, as a, as a tool, as another tool set to be able to um, optimize our health, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, I like it because you're using the arts of cooking, you know, to be able to take back, you know, health. There was, who was it, you know, during the conference that says that, you know, um, health doesn't start at the doctor's office, you know, health starts, um, you know, in the kitchen. And I thought that was a beautiful way to illustrate that, you know, something that, you know, I say to my patients all the time that, you know, in order to take back your health, you really got to go back into the kitchen because if you think about food, right, and how you get food, you know, do you cook it yourself or do you outsource it, right? And by outsourcing, I mean, you know, do you order takeout? Do you order delivery service? Do you, you know, go to a restaurant, you know? And of course, in the pandemic, you know, that's changed a lot, but in a way, if you're not cooking it, you're outsourcing it. So what that means is that you're delegating what you put in your food and what you put in your bodies to someone else, right? So if you think about a restaurant, a takeout or delivery service, you know, they're there for a business, you know, they're only there to make money. They're not there to look after your health, right? And so in order to make money, in order to run their business, they have to lower their costs. So what does that mean? They're going to use the cheapest ingredients, aka not the healthiest ingredients, to make their food. So if you think about it that way, you know, all that is going into your body. So if you prepare your food, whether you're, you know, a trained cook or chef or just starting out, you still know what's going into your food and you have full control of what you're preparing. So I say to my patients, you got to start in the kitchen. I don't care what level you're at, you know, just start. Mm -hmm. That makes so much sense. Um, Okay. So we learned about lifestyle medicine. We learned about culinary medicine. And then the third pillar of your work, as I see it, (laughs) is thrive medicine and um, Mm -hmm. showing and talking about the ways to elevate your life and talking about emotional wellness. Um, Mm -hmm. Tell us, tell us about thrive medicine. Um, so the Thrive Medicine is the third component that I focus on. And Thrive Medicine is something that I coined where, you know, I've been blessed and humbled to really live a very, very um, gratifying and full life. And, um, you know, when I graduated, I started off as a traveling physician and uh, or a locum tenens in Latin. And what that means in professional terms is, you know, we're contracting physicians that move around um, either within a a city or across a country to be able to help someone else out um, when a physician passes on, um, you know, is on maternity leave or takes a vacation. So there's an empty spot for a hospital or for a practice to fill. And so they would ask people like myself to be able to say, hey, you know, can you fill up this assignment while we could either get someone more permitted or when that physician comes back? And so I spent four years doing that and I practiced in four different states. And um, I also, you know, personally travel, you know, uh, around the world. And so, you know, Thrive Medicine is a concept where, you know, I was able to accumulate all these different types of personal and professional experiences. And I was able to kind of, you know, just kind of talk about, you know, how I was able to kind of, you know, enrich myself. And I wanted to distill that for others. I wanted to, I wanted others to feel the same gratifying feelings that I have in terms of, you know, how, how can I teach others to personally thrive within their own lives? 
they don't have to follow the same path that I did, you know, but I want them to create, you know, almost like a outline, a call to action, some action steps Mm -hmm. to be able to do that for themselves. So I wrote a book about it. um, And then, you know, I also coach people, um, you know, uh, with that as well. And um, emotional wellness goes hand in hand with it because, you know, if you don't have a good emotional slash mental um, barometer, it's hard for you. It's challenging for you to kind of weather the ups and downs in life. You know, if you have more of a, a good foundation, you know, you're going to be able to weather different, you know, storms, um, you know, in your life and, um, and having purpose and having a mission is also important to be able to, you know, have that driving catalyst to fulfill your own personal needs as well. So. Mm. That's really cool. I, um, yeah, I, I find a lot of times that a lot of the challenges or the difficult times help us bring up our, our, our best strengths or kind of this is how we learn how we're strong when we uh, mm-hmm. come across uh, obstacles and difficulties. Ryan Holiday's book, Obstacle is the Way, is a great one for that for me. Um, but mm-hmm. I always admired how, based on what I heard and learned uh, from you and the conversations from you is how you always found um your challenges to be an inspiration for creativity and growth and also kind of creating templates or or simmer it down to the truths that are helpful to other people so i really appreciate that right. you. oh thank but you I, I appreciate that but i wanted to ask you so if you were to think about kind of the principles that you simmer down in your uh, in your book uh, based on thrive medicine what would be some of the suggestions or tips that you could give to our listeners, especially as, as we are walking through the pandemic, where yeah. things are things seem just a little bit harder on top of other um, events and news outside of our home that we're listening and, and hearing about? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so definitely, you know, with the pandemic, you know, I personally, you know, when it hit, you know, I faced a lot of you know, anxiety and stresses and things like that. And obviously, you know, we're used to the pandemic now, um, you know, or I guess for others, you know, they, they, you know, for others, they probably would deny the pandemic. Um, but whatever the case may be, it's here, right? It's our reality. And it's definitely changed, you know, our world. Um, and it's probably the closest in my eyes to like an apocalypse, right? Um, but the thing is, is that, it tests us two things is what I found is it tests us our resilience. Right. Um, and it tests us how well we pivot in life, right. Whether it's emotionally or mentally, or it's whether we have a business or, you know, something, right. Because especially for Americans, you know, we're very driven, we're very independent. Um, sometimes we're very prideful. And sometimes with that, we have certain expectations or certain certainties of where we want our lives to go. And so when you insert a pandemic where you have no control of what just happened and suddenly your life has shifted or is forced to shift, what do you do, right? So it's a good reminder that whether it's a pandemic or something else, life will throw you curveballs in terms of how well you're going to dodge, how well you're going to bob and weave. And you have no control. It's kind of like if you ever play baseball, right? And you're up for bat. It's, it's weird that I'm using 
baseball analogy because I don't play <laughs> baseball. But you know, if you if you if you're up for bat, you know, you have no control of what the pitcher is going to throw at you. You have no idea if they're going to throw a grounder, a fastball, a curveball. You know, like you don't know what they're going to throw at you. So you know life, you don't know what obstacle or life challenging or traumatic event um, or business, you know, type of interfering event is going to happen for you, right? Um, or something that tests your relationship. You have no idea. So you have to be able to set yourself up in terms of how do you ground yourself when that happens. And so when a pandemic, everyone is stressed out, everyone is on edge, everyone is going berserk, you know, everyone's panicking. If you didn't have anxiety or depression, it brings up a lot of unprocessed traumas, right? If you already have anxiety or depression, it may exacerbate it. And for others, it may actually be better because it gets them to be more withdrawn. So it tests your resilience. So it's about fortifying that foundation for yourself. So I would say my tips would be, um, I would say my tips would be making sure you have a support system, you know, making sure you reinforce relationships and, you know, having someone to go to, whether it's virtually by phone, um, it would be preferable because I think that in the digital era, it's not enough to just text or to just communicate by social media. You have to, I would suggest calling. I would suggest FaceTiming. I would suggest having a video virtual session because you need that connection. If you can't be there physically, there's a lot more, um, you will gain a lot, you know, by facing them, by seeing them, you know, by looking at them, mm -hmm. um, you know, having those support systems. So having someone you can depend on, whether that's your best friend, a sibling, um, if you're lucky enough to have a parent or guardian, um, you know, your significant other, it doesn't matter, you know, having that support system. Um, and then in terms of relationship, it gives us an opportunity to fortify that relationship with yourself. So the personal relationship and learning more about, hmm, you know, you know, I, you know, if I'm saying to myself, Colin, you know, it's like, okay, you're in a pandemic. You don't know when this is going to end. How do I make sure that I'm grounded? How do I make sure that I'm okay amidst all this, right? And so that can mean anything, you know, uh, what makes me feel good? What, what brings me joy and content? What gives me peace, right? So for some, that's a mindfulness practice that could include meditation, breathing, yoga, um, some form of physical fitness, um, you know, and having some sort of routine and practice with that, you know? Um, so I would suggest, you know, getting into that, right? Um, if, and, and, and this is a great time to not feel shameful or guilt or blame or embarrassed if you need to talk to someone more professional. So if you need to talk to a therapist, um, or a life coach, or, you know, reaching out to your medical professionals, do it. You know what I'm saying? It, it is not the time to hold back and feel embarrassed or weak about it. You know, you know, we're social beings at the end of the day. So we all depend on each other. So if you need to reach out to someone more professional, do it. You know what I'm saying? Because at the end of the day, we all depend on each other and we're all, you know, influenced and affected by each other. And we all need each other. You know, I mean, no matter what line of work you are in, no matter what kind of industry or sector you're in, without humans, like 
you know, your work means nothing. You know, we all need each other. You know what I'm saying? We all influence and affect someone else. So. Yeah. I love that. Those are beautiful suggestions. And it's, yeah, it's, it's funny. It's, I think it's easy to forget how, how much we do take and, and heal from meaningful relationships in our life until those are taken away. And then we remember yeah. how much those small conversations and like hugs and just little things, just being able to be in somebody's presence or to see your group of friends I and mean, the being a small group or a bigger group, how much that means to us and how much, how much comfort and uh, uh, how much it feels our heart until it's taken away from us. And then we're, we're hungry and thirsty. Um, I really like the presentation during the ICLM. Um, I, I don't recall the name of the doctor on the sun, on Sunday who spoke about loneliness and isolation. And she was comparing social interactions um, with drinking water and that people can be thirsty, quote unquote, for social interactions. But it's like, we're thirsty, but we're the water that we're we're offered is is dirty, as to refer to. So we cannot go and 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 refill and, and drink water at the moment, and it's just frustrating. And and a lot of people are um, you know get, getting anxious, anxious, and some people may not even be recognizing that. So that's a really really great reminder. And utilizing the yeah. tools that you do have at hand, either it be you know FaceTime or just hearing somebody's voices. Is it's it gets you much further than you know than nothing than staying in silence in a dark corner. Yeah, and you know if you need to write, you know if if you feel like you're more of a uh, inward person, so if you need to journal, that's a great way to get things out. You know, um, I felt you know I didn't know that I loved this, but I love painting. You know what I'm saying? So it's a very mindful, present activity to do. Mm -hmm. Some people like the color. Some people like to put puzzles together. You know, so whatever the case may be, you know, this presents an opportunity to explore different sides of yourself and to open up things that, you know, you didn't know that, you know, I just learned this about myself because of the pandemic. So for me, I just, I guess for me, like I'm more of a silver linings type of person. I always try to look at, things when it is terrible and negative in its nature and try to flip that to how can I learn from this and how can I continue to evolve? Because if you're not progressing, you know, then in my, you know, I've learned that, you know, you're not really, you're not really living, you know, uh, mm -hmm. Tony Robbins is a great, uh, uh, is a great role model uh, that I follow. And, you know, if you're not, you know, if you're not making progress, you know, that doesn't contribute to your happiness, you know, yeah. um, he always feels like, you know, as long as you continue to progress, that will fill your cup of joy and contentment. So with or without the pandemic, you know, make sure that you're continuing to evolve, continue to learn and continue to progress as a human being, whether you're, you know, whatever sector of the world you, you know, whatever, you know, a part of the world you're at, and no matter what you're doing, it doesn't matter, you know, make sure you continue to evolve as a human being, because I feel like the more you can have a beginner's mindset, or the more you can have a student and learning mindset, the more joy you're going to have in your life. I love that. I love that. I also like to think about like challenges or unexpected life circumstances as like bricks or pieces of wood that are, that are thrown at us. And I think it's 
up to us either to let it hit us and we can be hurt from it and then we just throw it throw it away and get angry of it or we mm -hmm. catch it and we continue to build a solid foundation and then the house and then a beautiful mansion and the castle you build out whatever that you want to build with the things that are thrown at you but you mm -hmm. build with that instead of letting it hit you and hurt you mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah definitely so it's all about fortifying that foundation so yeah what is uh what are some of the things that you have learned recently um either about yourself or just about how the world works or some of the truths that you found for yourself recently um for myself for myself um you know i live so i'm based in uh, los angeles right now and um you know for myself my family members are kind of scattered over the country And for myself, I've done a lot of time, I spent a lot of time reflecting on, you know, dif different things that I've been through, um, all the different life experiences. Um, I know this is, you know, not, this is audio eventually and not video, but Christina can see, you know, there's a whole <laughs> bunch of, you know, yes. pictures there. And so, so for me, it's, a, I'm a very, um, you know, I've, I've relished in caring more about creating memories and experiences than tangible items. I feel that the more experiences I can create in my life, the more joy and content I can bring for myself. And so looking back, having the reflective period during a pandemic, you reflect on, you know, what, what did I, what have I accomplished You know, I reflect on all the different relationships I've, you know, created and reinforced over time and definitely reflected on all the different failures and mistakes and missteps, you know, that I've had as well. Um, because even though we, we all love to gravitate towards achievements and successes and being an American, you know, that's what we, you know, uh, crave. We also have to look at, you know, where are the things that we can improve upon and where are the darker sides, where are the you know, negative attributes and qualities and characteristics that are part of us as well. Because I think we take, you know, we, we uh, take for granted, um, you know, all the positive st stuff, and then we push away and condemn all the negative stuff. And so my point is, is that, you know, I learned this from a, an author slash speaker um, a few years ago is she put it very beautifully where you have to take into a the account, the totality of all the different emotions and attributes of being human. And so the more you can do that of uh, embracing the light and the dark of being human, the more you can be grateful and relish and be content with everything that comes into your life. You know, if you can accept the person you are instead of pushing down the things that you don't like about yourself because at the end of the day we are the totality of all those different things you know not only are you know is everyone smart and intelligent and you know beautiful and successful but you are also you know uh you know the the um you know maybe you procrastinate maybe you know you are late for things maybe you know you are um you know some items you're incompetent in or maybe some things you know you don't do as well you know so Even though saying it, it doesn't feel as good, but we are all those as well because we're human. You know, we are the light and dark. You know, there's a reason why, you know, the, the, you know, the Chinese, we, we relish on the yin and yang, you know, because 
everything is balanced. Everything is, you know, both sides. So embracing all of those things together is important, um, you know, about human. I love it. It's just like the DO, the holistic approach to health. <laughs> this is awesome. Colin, thank you so much for taking the time today. I want to be respectful of your time, so we should probably wrap it up. I have a final question that I usually ask my guests, but before I do that, is there anything else that you wanted to share that we haven't touched upon? Um, no, I think uh, you did a great job uh, with this, and I appreciate you allowing me to share my story um, and my per personal and professional life you know, with your audience. And I hope this is helpful for everyone. Um, but yeah, for your audience members, you know, I know that, you know, we are in uncertain times, but, you know, just remembering that, you know, if we go back to the basics of loving yourself and being kind to not just yourself, but being kind to others and putting good food in our bodies, making sure we move, um, and, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, just keep going with that. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's important and just being safe and well. Thank you so much for that. Um, Colin, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, so the last question that I'll ask you before we wrap it up is um, about kindness. The name of my podcast is follow your kind. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, I like to explore what kindness means to other people so that we can describe kindness for ourselves and follow that value for ourselves. So what does kindness mean to you and how do you get to follow it? Kindness means treating yourself and treating your fellow human being with respect. I love that. Colin, thank you so much for your time today. Um, I really, really appreciate it. I'll put all the links uh, for our listeners and how to find you on social, um, on, uh, the, on your podcast that you have. I know you have a wonderful platform, your website as well. So we'll direct all of those links and I'll also put the uh, link to your book, which is great. Okay. <laughs> thank you very much. And thank you for having me on your show. Yes, thank you so much.